Hi there, welcome to the Shift Control Podcast. Um, my name is Paul McAnallan. Thanks for joining me on this um, first episode of the series in 2022. It's probably about two years since I last did a podcast. But delighted to share this episode with you, a conversation with Gregory Bradley, CEO of Black Box. Uh, I had been talking to Greg on the podcast way back in 2016 and this is the company's 10th birthday, so kind of some very valuable insights and the timing is good to be speaking to Greg. Just come off the back of doing a fit out for Manchester United, so it kind of gives you the level at which they're operating at just now, but there's a whole lot of good stuff behind that success and Greg's as honest and open and candid as, as you'd expect him to be. Um, but there's some really valuable insights and I hope you get as much enjoyment out of listening to this as I did recording it because it was um, it's like a really enjoyable hour or so. Um, just to let you know, the podcast is also available on YouTube, the first video podcast I've done. So if you want to head over there to um, the Shift Control YouTube channel, feel free to do so and like and subscribe. Um, I'll leave a comment if you feel you need to, but um, without any more chat from me, here's the Gregory from Black Box. How's it going? We're live. Good. Good. <laughs> good. Good to see you, man. Yeah, we've probably covered a podcast worth of material before we're recording here. Um, thanks for taking the time out, man. I know you're you're busy and you're working from home today. So uh, I'm going to ask you a very it's not a, it's kind of a catching trying to catch you out maybe, but how 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 would you describe who are or what is Black Box? Yeah, uh, well, thanks for having me, Paul. I know we were chatting offline about, you know, I think maybe five years almost since we did the first podcast. So hopefully yeah. this one will be slightly better, but uh, <laughs> time will tell. But uh, Black Box, uh, yeah, who or what Black Box is, uh, yeah, we design, manufacture, and supply strength conditioning equipment. Um, yeah, we are based just outside Belfast and uh, yeah, we have a team of just shy of 100 team members and yeah, we work with uh, a range of different sectors, whether it would be um, e-commerce would be uh, one of our, our main channels, but we also work with elite sports teams, um, yeah, Irish rugby, Arsenal, um, Man United this summer, um, which is, is a good one um, for us to get. And then, yeah, working uh, pure gym like Adidas. So, yeah, we manufacture quite a bit of our products here in, in Belfast. And, um, yeah, we traditionally used to specialize more in end to end gym design. Um, now we're probably a little bit more direct to consumer. Um, now you're doing apparel, accessories, and not just the equipment. So, yeah, that's pretty much it in a, a nutshell. I, I kind of know where it started, Greg. So um, where did it start for you in that journey? And when you were starting out, did you really see this being a kind of a destination where you're at now? Uh, no, I, I would be lying if I was to sit here and say at the start, we had this plan to get to where we were. Um, initially, where the, the idea kind of started, I played Gaelic football for Onro and Coleraine and I was probably the, the least talented uh, athlete in that team. You know, you had a lot of very skilled Gaelic footballers, but I quickly found out that 
going to the gym and becoming a, a better athlete, a fitter athlete was helping me get on the team and stay on the team. So yeah, I just had an idea. I wanted some decent um, strength conditioning equipment. There wasn't much to available to buy. So I thought I'd put some pictures up onto adverts.ie and uh, people started to ring me for this equipment. I didn't have it, but uh, kind of, yeah, told me that there, there was a demand for this and the, the kind of idea was to just make one extra and I would keep one and use it myself. Um, so yeah, find a welder and Korean and got him to make the equipment and yeah, never forget he asked me for engineering drawings and I was like, well, what's an engineering drawing? Um, here's a photo of it and uh, yeah, that my uh, engineering expertise is probably at a similar level these days, but I think that shows you the importance of you know the business has been built. It's not me per se. You know, I know very little about engineering or manufacturing, and um, but we've been able to get good team built around, and uh, that's helped us to get to where we are. Do you just move to a, a, a it's like a relatively well recently a brand new facility in Monkstown? Yep, that's correct. Yeah, we moved there. Yeah, last year, probably in the middle of a, a pandemic and at our busiest time, which, uh, yeah, with the benefit of hindsight, probably wasn't the, the, the wisest move, but it, it uh, yeah, short term being for long term gain. We've managed to, previously, we were in Titanic Quarter, spread across four different buildings and running 24 hour working shift. And it was just, yeah, quite, quite a challenging environment. Now we've got everyone under one roof and uh, we have the gym manufacturing and distribution facilities. Um, hasn't solved all of our problems that we had hoped, but uh, it's definitely been great to, to have that base and that will help us scale the business for the next five years and maybe beyond. So, um, yeah, it's been a, a nice place to move to. Is is it Was it always part of your plan to bring everything in-house and be self-contained and uh, not be reliant on anybody else? Uh, we like to. I mean, yeah, I think, you know, creation transparency is important. I think also when we're manufacturing, it gives us a better control in terms of quality, speed, uh, to an extent price, albeit the past 12 months have, have challenged that with all the increases of steel and material. And I think even just as a differentiator as well, you know, there's loads of companies that import products from China, Far East, et cetera. And for us, we wanted to do something a little bit different. Um, you know, the Far East still is an important part for us, but equally, we brought a lot more product back home into Belfast for us to make, and we'll continue to do it. Um, and I feel if, you know, the past 24 months of the pandemic has reinforced the importance of local manufacturing and for companies to be able to produce their own goods because, yeah, the, the whole supply chain issues has, has highlighted that massively. Do you think the pandemic, and come back to what you said about your client list and working for the IRFU and the big Premier League teams, as well as some fairly big private clients, was the pandemic for you kind of like the perfect storm in, in so far as it opened up dramatically uh, a, a key channel for the business? Literally overnight? Would that uh, be right? Uh, yes, sort of e-commerce. You know, it wasn't, it was probably only 
10, 15% of our revenue before the pandemic. And then it, it almost flipped to become 80%. That's now came down uh, a fair bit from that. But look, it was a good, I'll be transparent, a good catalyst for growing the e-commerce. And that has leveled out. But on the flip side, you know, Pure Gym would be one of our biggest customers. They were losing half a million pounds a day and hadn't invested a huge amount in the past couple of years. Um, Sydney Swans was another big project in Australia we we're meant to be doing, which was delayed. Thankfully, we are doing that in October of this year. But so it was good in one instance, but equally the the offline sort of project side of things was delayed, and there's still a bit of a hangover. Independent gyms is it was a massive sector that we worked in, probably a third of our revenue, and most independent gyms didn't have revenue for. 18 months or a very lumpy revenue so they haven't invested and yeah. it's been massively challenging for for everyone but on the balance of things yes we probably were one of the luckier industries to be in um but yeah you, you know we were talking offline about cultural changes and for us traditionally being a and i hate using the word term b2b um because all business is people to people but for simplicity we were historically a b2b business and then moving to that direct to consumer it was a massive challenge i mean we were all in the warehouse instead of maybe shipping out 50 or 100 orders per week you're maybe shipping out a thousand and you know your customer service has to scale up your logistics your packaging your just everything so it's a very different way to do things and um but it's, it's good, and I think ultimately that's what we want. It makes us a more uh, sustainable business, being able to have those two channels instead of just having all of our eggs in one basket. Do you think if it's, um, not to draw a parallel, but if you're working with the likes of Manchester United or Arsenal or or Chelsea or you know some of the big rugby, Sydney Swans is a, is a brilliant example because they're just so far away from where you're based. Do you think that those people are more challenging to deal with as a business or Joe Public in the street um, whose expectations really aren't anywhere. He's just looking to buy some gym equipment for, for his shed. Um, who's easier to please? Who's easier to to create into the perfect customer? Uh, yeah, I mean, it is, look, it's quite hard, hard to probably stereotype or group everyone together. But I mean, prime example over Christmas, you know, our, our website obviously works 24 seven and people were placing orders, small orders, maybe 50, 100 pound for kettlebells or a consumable product. And then they were getting in touch two days later, um, the day after Boxing Day, asking where it's at. And yeah. obviously we weren't shipping until the, the 4th of January, but we're living in this Amazon effect of where people just want product, you know, in 24 hours or, or 48 hours max. And to be honest, it's part of the reason why we invested so heavily in our own infrastructure. We've probably got, you know, a very cutting edge manufacturing facility, robotic well tube laser cutting the latest and greatest because we need to be able to do that um, because people don't want to wait for two, four, six, eight weeks anymore as they, they want the product ASAP. So yeah, Jeff Bezos has made all of our life uh, a lot more challenging, but you have to take your hat off and have respect for it. I think, uh, no, I, I, would, I would agree with you. And one of the things I would probably say to your credit 
my own personal experience, whenever we were talking about whatever it was six months ago or a year ago, year ago, and you had I had got in touch with you and you had got in, got some one of your guys to get in touch with me, the speed of response, like it was um really, really it was evident that the customer journey had been considered in the whole way through. You know, that you were kind of um being told in advance what to expect in terms of time expectation management was really high on the list, I felt at least. And I'm not saying that was because your guy knew that it was through you that was the recommendation came, but it was just like buying a pair of shoes online or a t-shirt. It, everything happened just really, really easy. And at that time, I got a chance to go up to your facility. That was the last time I think we were speaking face to face. And I'd hope to be up there today. And maybe next week, I'll get a chance to take a, a pop up with a camera and take some video um of what is just a really impressive facility, you know, it's uh, it's to your credit that you can you can move from um, faking it till you make it to a a, a place where there's hundred people employed and it's a massive facility. Like it's and you you are self-contained, which is why I asked the question because you pretty much can do everything you can inside, can't you? Yeah, I mean that's something that we want again. It's more to be, you know. The gym equipment space is is a bit of a, a red ocean, and we're trying to move or navigate our way slightly more into that sort of blue ocean where you know we're not competing with you know a hundred other companies. Um, but look, we have a lot of work to do. And to your point of the the delivery, the seamless delivery, I'll, I'll be honest, not everyone is like that. Logistics is a massive challenge, especially on the back of Brexit, and we use lots of different couriers, and there's huge short shortages etc and I mean we're on trust pilot where we get you know public very public reviews and we do get the occasional bad one a lot of it is down to logistics and it is technically a little bit out of our control of the couriers but equally we need to try and own that customer journey and that's a, that's a piece we're actually doing to try and educate our couriers and have service level agreements with them so that you know they're you know ensuring that the, the client experience is um seamless as possible but it is it's an extremely challenging environment and numerous fronts at the minute um and i'm not sure it's going to get much easier anytime soon but yeah some work we're trying to improve the whole um, logistics thing is is a uh... You know, it's very, very, uh, when you go deep under, under the problem, like it's far reaching and it's multi-layered. It's not just the Suez Canal. It's not just, you know, there's a whole bunch of different things going on in that, in that space. And it's a real challenge for anybody taking stuff in as part of a manufacturing process, but also to distribute out. Um, and you're not shipping boxes of books, like you've got heavy, heavy equipment to be shipped. And um, yeah, I think there is in, in the economy, there's this sort of, tit for tat you know everyone's putting their prices up so everyone's like well if they're doing it i'm doing it and there's this massive knock-on effect but the whole the shipping piece 100 like our shipping cost i think over a million pound last year than it would before the pandemic um which oh. is a crazy amount there were some products that it cost more to ship than what the actual product price costs so um it is has been a, a massively challenging one but then equally it is quite a uh, competitive environment right now so we you know people can't put their prices up but um yeah i'm optimistic it'll come down but i don't think it will be to sort of potentially even this time next year or towards the end of the year 
Um, you know, even as you say that, one of, one of the things that um, I'm, I'm kind of thinking is that uh, what should be a very intended consequence of the pandemic is uh, a clearer and a more clinical focus on health and well-being, which is yet to break free yet, you know. They're all talking about uh, wearing masks and, you know, stay six feet away or whatever, whatever it is. But really the emphasis has yet to turn fully onto health and well-being, you know. So presumably the market that you're operating in and the e-commerce side is yet to grow again and again and to continue doing so, I'm guessing. Or can you look that far ahead? We would hope that it would, but I mean, the e-commerce, I think, did have a, like, I think it was 10 years growth in about 18 month period. I can't remember the exact statistic, but um, that's probably one of my pain points with the, the pandemic and the, the government messaging was, you know, it was a lot of it was like stay at home and stay away from people, but there was never really a huge amount of encouragement of like get outside, exercise and move, etc. Um, which I think is the wrong message because if you look at the statistics of the amount of obesity and other illnesses that there is, it's frightening. Um, so I'm hoping and that COVID will be a bit of a catalyst to make people realize the, the importance of their, their health and wellness. But equally, there is some scary statistics of people that come from maybe a, a less affluent or a poor background that they actually exercised and, um, less and drank or, um, yeah, ate, you know, unhealthy food. So it's, uh, yeah, a, a challenging one. Um, but we're, we're hoping that, you know, and that's why we're such a fan of working with Pure Gym is that, you know, they're a, a low-cost gym and they make it quite accessible for people to exercise without having to spend a, a huge amount of money. Um, and there's other charity partners we work with. Battle Cancer is an important one as well um, because, yeah, the work they do is hugely important. I'd seen some of your uh, social media stuff that that is going out in the Battle Cancer um partnership is very very prominent in in what you do um one of the things that we were talking about about earlier about you know the, the culture of the business and I, i'd kind of maybe suggested to you before we we hit record that you're one of those businesses that would strike me that wouldn't have the same kind of problems recruiting as some of the other businesses um and why i say that is like you kind of uh your brand is for, your brand is really, really strong. You've done a brilliant job in growing the business, but in tandem with that, the brand positioning, the messaging, the work in CrossFit, the some of the people that work for you are elite athletes in their own right. Um, I, you must be, do you find it easy? Or rather you must, I, can't, I wouldn't want to layer that on you. Do you find it easy to recruit and retain in a climate where other people are struggling really badly? Uh, no, definitely not easy. I would say probably historically we had an easier job than others, but the labour market is crazy at the minute. Obviously, yeah, they say what's the, the year of the, the great resignation last year or, or this year. And, you know, we have lost a few people moving on for various different reasons. Um, and, yeah, we have struggled to an extent with certain positions. Um, E-commerce manager was one that we, we really struggled, even graphic designers. So it, it is ultra competitive and I feel... Look, I've only been doing this 
well, 10 years next month, but um, I just feel that it, it is a, a huge challenge to, to run a business for all the different microeconomical reasons going on, um, but also for it just to be, I think, that, you know, employ, or employers pick the employees. Now yeah. it's the other way around where employees are picking the companies they work for and there's so much choice and certain companies are going digital but by default and working from home um you know five days a week which i personally don't think is the right thing but it maybe suits some people but i feel that if you want to someone said to me a couple of months ago if you you know if you just want a job yeah work from home but if you want a career get into the office and i agree with that um so i think a hybrid is the, the right approach and it's quite similar to exercise as well you maybe even see a, I have a Peloton bike here because I think it, I just uh, I believe that it's just making things as frictionless as possible you know I don't use it every day but there's times where I just don't want an excuse to not be able to exercise so if I can jump on that for 20 minutes so be it you know I'll not have that excuse so but I can't be bothered going to the gym um, that's probably one more a little bit more in the, the habits but um but I'll, yeah, to your point, I think we we probably are a little bit luckier, but we've also had that challenge where people think, oh, black box looks like a really fun place to work. And then, and we do try and make it as fun as possible, but equally we are a high growing business and, you know, there is an element of pressure and, and stress with it. And it's not just about, you know, lifting weights all day and kind of, yeah drinking protein shakes and stuff. And that's something we actually try to do is, you know, signpost as much and almost put people off before they come to work for Black Box that, you know, yeah, it is fun and you're, we all do amazing work and it's really rewarding the work we do. But equally, you know, we we talk about being a team and not a family and that's something we borrow from, from Netflix. Um, you know, where it's not, you know, family, you, you always have to put up with, even if they're annoying sibling or cousin or whatever. Whereas uh, if you're a team, you, you need to perform. Um, and that's our culture. Not everyone likes that, but that's fine. But, you know, I feel it's important that culture, you know, I think we've touched on it before, you know, Peter Drucker is, you know, culture eat strategy for breakfast. And I, I do believe in that. I think that's kind of one of my main priorities is to, uh, yeah, kind of protect the culture. And I'll be honest, we went from, you know, quite a small number of people up to 100 people really quick. And we probably have lost a little bit of that kind of small business mentality, scrappy startup, you know, because we were growing so quick, it was just... Yeah, quite a fast moving pace and you know you just can't spin every plate and keep everything in perfect um balance but so we're we're going back i mean we do a, an employee net promoter score twice per year anonymous survey we get feedback from people and we try and improve as a business and look we got some pretty bad reviews um obviously got some good reviews as well um but i think it's something that we're, we're always constantly trying to, to improve um but there's one thing i as, as a leader i'll never do is you know i'm not going to ask someone to do something that i'm not willing to do myself and 
there's a saying, you know, the, the culture is the, the shadow of the leader or leaders of the business. And the higher you are up in the business, the more people are going to sort of, um, well, the more magnified what you do it is. And they'll also monitor, model your behaviors and stuff. So um, I try to, you know, pick up rubbish, kind of leave the place as clean or tidy as possible and like we don't have car parking spaces for the the management and stuff uh yeah we try and you know park far away and you know, sort of lead by example who, who, who decided on that was that something that yourself and Miles, nico and other directors would have sat around and thought okay this is how we want it to look or did you give any of that um sort of responsibility to to the entire staff or specific members of the team? Uh, not not really. I mean, the, the parking space one, I'll give credit. Brendan McGurgan told me he used to park from the, the furthest car parking space. And, uh, you know, it sounds simple, but it's actually, it is quite hard to do it because, you know, I'm very busy and, you know, even picking up rubbish and stuff, but it, you, you just can't ask people to to do something if you're not willing to to do it yourself um and even to to the extent of you know telephone answering telephones quick enough and stuff was a, an issue within black box and it's kind of and you know if i'm not willing to pick up the phone as well why would anyone else do it so it's you know I, i've read a Bit in culture, you can learn loads from sports teams. Um, but you know, I don't think it's that complicated as well. But I think being authentic about it as well. Um, another cliche was that values are for living, not for laminating. And you you see these stories of companies putting all these core values up on the wall, but not living by them. Um, Completely. And, and it's, it's a, it's a massive, but it's hard to do it, you know, to hold those high standards. Um, and look, I get stuff wrong times. Um, and equally, we want to have that culture where people can hold me accountable as well. So that, you know, if, if I say something that's not right or do something that's not kind of within our core values or behaviors, that, you know, it's not just a different rule for me. But you said a few things there that I probably go back on. I can't, first of all, I can't believe it's ten years you're doing this. Like, you know, and I, I would, no, but it really, <laughs> yeah, I, I've got them in the beard now, man. Um, but it's not like um, it's a long time to get here, and I've I've watched you close enough at the start, and I'd seen you doing what you were doing, um, and the way you were working. It was always about improvement. It was always about doing better. It was always about. Um, you know, th this is not where I'm going to be. I, this is where I am now, but this is not where we're going to end up. And um, I'm going to pivot back and forward to some of the stuff you talked about because it's very interesting. Like I, I remember you referencing Thomas Plummer a lot way back. Um, he was a guy that um, you used to go and see, and he would have been. I'm guessing. I'm sorry, I'm not guessing. I'm, I'm saying this from recollection that he was a very would have been a close mentor of yours, right? Uh, yeah, to, to an extent. I mean, he was based in uh, yeah, America, so it was probably hard, but we catched up maybe once a year in person and um, yeah, maybe one or two calls per year. But yeah, look, one thing I learned pretty quick early on is success leaves clues. And, you know, when, when you see someone that is successful, I always very quickly want to figure out what are they doing to, to get them to, to this level. And 
plumber specifically was a sort of in, expert in the uh, fitness industry and he created quite a lot of the um, sort of movements for small group training and building a very scalable and sustainable business model for gym owners. So yeah, I brought him over to Dublin originally in 2014 and London in 2016. And um, yeah, it kind of reinforces the importance of edu- education-based marketing. You know, we put on seminars, giving people the skills and tools and how to run their gym. And, you know, most of those people have transformed their business and, turned them into raving fans or lifetime, you know, clients of, of Black Box. And something we talk about is one of our core values is client obsession. You know, we don't talk about customers. I also don't really talk about staff. We talk about team members as well. We don't talk about uh, human capital or HR, etc. So, you know, language is lab. I'm sorry, language is leverage, you know, we also, from a sales point of view, we try to not get our salespeople or anyone within the company talking about no problem or as ugly or cousin, no worries, you know, because if you just double negatives, you know, so we try to have a bit more of a, a positive outlook. Um, and yeah, we've got lots of little quirky little things, you know, you, you can't, complain unless you're coming up with a solution and we always talk about being a perpetual work in progress you know just one percent better every day and if we can have you know 100 percent 100 people doing that every day you know the compound effect that's going to have um you know there's been nothing like black box is where it is today because you know it's just been you know relatively small amount of people just every day trying to get better um there hasn't been one thing that's massively transformed this business um but it's just having that culture of just continuous improvement um and learning and you know some people there's quite a lot of our team have stayed for a long time some people don't make it you know everyone hits a bit of a ceiling but we're trying to create an environment where people can do the, the best sort of work of their lives that's a fair, fair play to you man it's, it's, you've, you've kind of covered that particularly well whenever you're working with all these big sports teams then who, who do you see out there um, as somebody you could hold the light up to and go they, they, they're doing it right and we would aspire to do to, or do you have your uh, role models inside business primarily uh, mostly, but sports teams for sure, definitely. I've seen um, yeah, Ulster rugby coach, Irish rugby, um, a lot of the SNC coaches. So it is extremely privileged position to be in because you get to see behind the scenes and what people are doing. I remember doing a home gym for a guy, John Hurley, who was the sort of CEO of Google Ireland. He was the guy that brought Google to Ireland. Uh, then he moved to LinkedIn and he was actually up with me a couple of weeks ago when we were catching up. But, you know, there is no silver bullet with this. You know, even he was talking about the culture in Google and, you know, Working from home is a luxury and that whole thing of Google, they let their staff 10% of the time do their own projects. He was like, he admitted that was complete a bit of smoke and mirrors. It was only their top performers were allowed, allowed to do it. Um, it's all for the so, sound bites though, it's all for the optics. Like. 
Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. But everyone just takes it as gospel. Um, but it was reassuring to hear, you know, he had quite a, an old school viewpoint on things. Um, so yeah, but look, reading you'll see there's a lot of books there. Albeit most of my reading I do on, on Kindle and stuff. It's going back to that point of success leaves clues and. You know, one of my favorite, and I'm not a huge fan of putting up inspirational or motivational quotes, but the one that probably has had the most impact on me personally is that one from Charlie Tremendous Jones. It's basically, you know, in five to 10 years, you'll be the same person as you are today, except for the two things. One, the books you read, and two, the people you spend most of your time with. Um, it's quite a simple quote, but it, it is truly impactful and I'm sure Paul you're like that you know you've maybe spent time with people that are quite negative or maybe not putting you in a, a great state or position and you know but for me the books is one that's just like it's such a cheap and affordable way to, to get insights um, so that's probably part of the reason where you know I've been able to get to the to this level but yeah i'm not at any major level right now and still very much on a journey no i think that um one of the, one of the things that i remember from meeting you for the first time is your or just this continual qu- uh, thirst for for knowledge and for learning and and any conversation we've had if, if there's a, a book mentioned or the name of somebody that you haven't heard you're writing it down or you're googling it or you're getting involved in it and at some point over the next the next time we'd ever met, you would have read it, and you, um, like you write, success does leave clues. I think failure leaves clues too. You know, it's not just um, about about living in that bubble of continual growth, and um, because you know, failure is a, a really positive byproduct of trying. Like you know, you have to fail a whole lot of times to get to the point where you're pushing on, and you can retrofit it all you want. You can sit here in this podcast and tell me, you know, over ten years we went from you know doing prowlers that didn't exist to doing stuff for the Trump GAA or the IRFU, but underneath it, warts and all, like it's not a straight line. No, no, completely not. And yeah, your point of failure, it, it is huge feedback. And probably some of my failures have been probably the, the biggest advantages because, you know, it isn't just all about the success. You know, business is generally, you know, essentially you're a full-time firefighter and you have to be able to deal with a lot of setbacks, you know, a lot of you know, people criticizing you because they maybe don't see your, the full picture or your viewpoint. And look, I get things wrong. I'll hold my hands up. Um, but it's how you respond to them. But I think another good saying is, you know, things are never as good or as bad as things seem. Um, because, you know, you have to have that mentality in business because it, it is a complete roller coaster. And, you know, you can lose money. You can sometimes make money, uh, people leave, etc. There's just, yeah, it's it's relentless, but it's, yeah, I love it. And yeah, wouldn't change it for, for anything. <laughs> one, of, one of the things that um, I'd, I'd been reflecting on recently is uh, I, I'm doing a bit of work with with companies on cultural transformation, which is you really, regardless of what, what business it is, you're lucky to be involved in that, that they have entrusted you to take a look at stuff and you're trying to help them and nudge them or or create conflict, create sufficient conflict over the trust that's there for them to, to you know, you know, 
to understand that what they're doing is wrong and to try something better. And I look back at, at the working at um, one of the newspapers over um, across the water, and every single constituent. If you're if you're reading, you know, um, peak or all all the stuff that that looks like high performance, you know, and or performance improvement, all those things about coaching and it's painful and yeah, you know, it's deliberate practice and purposeful and everything else. Um, a lot of the time you don't really know you're, that that's happening until you're in the middle of it. And I think that it's really difficult to set out in a journey to create a high performance team. You know, especially, it's, it's all right talking about football and I think that's the challenge of trying to take sport into business and be really authentic with that because in sport, high performance athletes um, train for 90 minutes or train for an hour and in business you're working all day, every day seven days a week sometimes in your case, you know. So it's not always really um, easy to to know you're in the middle of the storm. It's not easy to create the storm and you're actually in the middle of it and you don't know how you got there. Are you planning to move stage by stage towards a, a, a higher improvement, um, higher performing team? Is it just going to be gradual? Is it just a little bit better every day? Or do you have specific and, and clear goals for the business over the next five years culturally? Uh, yeah, look, it's it's very high on our our agenda. Um, you know, we're trying to have cultural champions, especially with, within the business, and it's not just the the senior leadership team. Um, you know, look, I'll be honest, we have some subcultures within uh, black box. You know, I think it would be idealistic to assume that everyone. You know, we've got people welders, manufacturing, uh, warehouse, you know, there's just a huge diverse mix of people there, well, diverse for Northern Ireland, if, if you want, but, uh, you know, it's, it's foolish for us to think that everyone sings off the same hymn sheet or has the exact same values and what, what they believe in and, and practice. Um, but it's something that, you know, I'm, I'm very much learning and I've, I've got a lot of blind spots as well. Um, so it's, you know, there is some people that maybe they don't, you know, there's lots of people don't read books and there's different ways for people to learn. We always just want people to just keep trying to improve because if people aren't improving, you're, you're going backwards. And for some people, it might be just getting out and into other businesses. Um, re reverse mentoring is also an, quite an important one as well, where, you know, I used to think I was maybe one of the better salespeople in Black Box, but we've got some young guys coming through that are just, doing really good volume and I'm trying to learn a little bit from them and even social media, other areas of the business. Um, we have a really strong product manager and there's some people that come in, you know, either they went to university or not and they're just doing a, a tremendous job. So it is all just about creating a, an environment. But to your point of, you know, that's a massive mistake we've made in one of our culture well, it used to be is just kind of you're straight in at the deep end instead of, you know, athletes spend 90, 95 percent of their time practicing for to perform five or 10 percent. Whereas yeah. in work, you know, we're working 89 percent of the time and then with very little training. So that's something we're trying to change a little bit and we've got it wrong. And some people just, you know. Some people, if they're self-motivated, can do it, but a lot of people can't. So uh, that's been one of the, the many mistakes that we've made on the, on that front. But um, 
yeah, culture is a, it's a, it's hard too because I'm so heavily involved in sales and all their areas of the business. There's lots of stuff I'd like to be doing to help nudge the culture and develop a little bit further in the the direction we want to. But um, yeah, it's it's an ongoing process for sure, and it'll never end. Just on the point of re- reverse uh, mentoring, which is interesting, do you find it easy to? Um... Well, I think you do, don't you? You find it easy to be corrected or to find out from somebody younger than you or somebody who's less attached to what you've been doing all your life that you're not doing it the best way. Do you, do you embrace that? Do you encourage it? Do you find it easy to encourage it? Uh, 100%. The best idea wins, you know. And yeah, sometimes it can hurt your ego if, you know, someone else comes, even Neiman, like we, we've been through this whole, we've lots of new products and ranges and stuff. And obviously we're all competitive and we want to come up with a name, but equally a new range, I didn't come up with the, the name, but it's, it is the, the best idea has to win. And just one of my things, I've always just tried to be more interested than interesting. You know, it's not about, me or you know any of the senior team within the the company there's there can't be echo chambers we don't want this culture where people aren't willing to challenge you know a, a viewpoint we want to have this you know competitive tension you know there has to be respect manners you know we can't be one of our core values don't be a dickhead you know you get there is a no dickhead policy but equally we are competitive and you know it's everything is to improve the company we talk about your your job versus your role and you know your job could be your left back for man united so your job is to defend but you're yeah Got that. Sorry, I actually got that wrong. So you're sorry. <laughs> uh, maybe added that one. So job be role basically. So basically, your role could be accountant or marketing manager or left back for for Man United. So where you would be defending, but your job is for the team to win. So everyone's job is to make black box better. So we try to have that sort of mantra or mentality where everyone has to make the company better and sometimes you have to do stuff get down in the warehouse get that big order out that's late etc um, because we just don't want this culture of oh that's not my job description or you know totally. i'm too busy to do that so um yeah but again you know not everyone loves that but we put it up very at the start even in the interview process just so we can let people know what it's like and some people, you know, don't like that and they go somewhere else and, and that's fine. But, you know, a career in black box is like, there's no bands, you know, it's not like working in the public sector where it's like band five, six, seven, you know, it's more like you're a rock climber where you're going sideways and yeah, yeah. sometimes up whatnot. And again, that's our culture. We're a kind of a startup. We're growing every day pretty new you know every year it's very different than the year before um and some people love that and some people don't and that's cool do you still consider yourself a startup uh, i should probably stop that as of next month so i think yeah, you're doing man it's but, like a, yeah definitely like yeah, a, there's a lot of business, there's a lot of businesses that will look up to you in manufacturing there's a lot of businesses that will look up to you in terms of your culture like the language you're using there is um 
a lot of the people, so some, a lot of the mature businesses in the north, and I, I'd be working with a couple of them. And some of the things you said are really telling and how you approach it. So, for example, um, Bran would have talked about parking as far away from the front door as he could. I, some people would just dump their car in the uh, handicap space because it's closer to the door and uh, because their names are like Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's just and and it's like you know what do you mean I'm wrong? What do you mean I'm wrong? And I'm not saying that that's uh, that's probably a byproduct of being really successful for a long time or having your name above the door and not been allowing other people to respectfully challenge you in in a meaningful way. And so Ireland would have been a place where my father had the shop with a name above the door. You know, how many people do you know whose name is literally above the door and it's like the crown jewels and they'll never change it because this is the way it's always been. And and you're kind of unfettered by that because you've you've um, the industry you work in, the people you serve, the teams that you work with, the people that want to work with you probably don't allow you to do that. Oh, it, look, it's, you know, I'm sure you've read Ryan Hall, the ego is the enemy. And look, we all have ego and ego has got a bit of a negative stigma with it there is an element where ego is is a good thing to have but equally having that sort of yeah ego where it's detrimental to the the business or your own personal development is, is not good and look it's just yeah i think it's always important to to be humble you know we have not achieved a huge amount you know we're only very much Jeff Bezos talks about day one always, and we're like that too. We're just getting started. You know, we can't start to believe our own bullshit that we're an amazing company and we've won contracts with Man United or whoever. Yeah, that's cool, but equally, we need to keep going. And yeah, it's definitely one of my blind spots is that I, and I've tried to do it more and more, give more praise, but I'm always just like, what what's next you know let's yeah. keep going and i believe the best teams do that you know if you read about alex ferguson or the all blacks they don't sit and talk about how good and amazing they are and give each other pats in the back all the time yes there's a time and a place for it but you know this time we start doing that and believe in our own bullshit we're going to be in a, in a very dangerous place um so it's uh yeah it's not for everyone but we you know and we've a lot of room for improvement as a company but we're on that journey you you'd mentioned uh again something i'm gonna i wanted to mention i wanted to talk about it a bit earlier but you said earlier that you know black box looks like it's a fun place to work and there's maybe people i i know it would be i would see inside i see the people there you know the the um there's a a certain type of person that will fit into black box um, because they don't just see fun equaling not hard work, you know. Fun, fun mm-hmm. can live alongside very hard work quite comfortably, and a lot of people don't see that. Yeah, it's unfortunately that's part of the reason, you know, we are where we are. We don't work, you know. Yes, obviously some people work eight to four or whatever the, the shift is, but equally to get to this level, you can't just do what everyone else is doing. And I try to share that with some of the younger team members is, you know, if you want to get in the top 5%, you have to be prepared to do what 95% of people won't do. And I don't want to turn this into like this whole work hard kind of hustle thing but equally it is needed you know um because 
I am, look, I'm not intelligent. I didn't, you know, get great grades in school and whatnot, but it has been just hard work, thirst for knowledge, willingness to learn, hold your hands up when you get things wrong. And if you can just have those really good behaviors and like I've got loads of bad habits, but if you can just get good habits within your business and personal life and I mean, one of the most important ones is, you know, you have to be able to manage yourself quite well before you try and manage others or, or lead others. Like I'm not a good manager per se. I would say I'm a slightly better leader and there is a difference between the two. Um, so yeah, I try to lead myself sort of better before I try and do it w- with others, um, which is important. I think that um, you're your comments about leadership over management i think that they they both have a place but if you're trying to take a business to where you're taking it it leads more needs more than just been carefully managed you know careful management is not you know it's important as a business but if you don't have leaders or a really clear leadership strategy across your team then all the good management in the world is not going to take you beyond where you are yeah uh, totally true and you do need a fair bit of self-awareness and some would say I may be lacking sometimes but I think you know being able to recognize where you're you are good or where you're you're not good and being you know uh humble enough to admit where you're 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 not strong but like as long as you're if you're curious and and willing to learn you know I'll just keep going back to that you're going to be in a a decent position um but yeah we we're trying to develop young leaders from within the business and very much you know we i learned from lots of other successful people as well and you know podcasts and even i'll never forget the the one you you taught me about no means not just yet and to man united's a prime example where i've been knocking on that door for years and eventually you know you'll, you'll get in um and again most people a lot of people aren't willing to to put in the hard work to get that result but i mean to be honest that's where a lot of the the you know the business today has came through is just putting in the the hard work and uh yeah when people say no know that it means not just yet so but on that you know like um some of the coaching and and, and selling if you could people businesses and business owners want you to come in to coach them and mentor them but also their staff and the expectation is that things will uh, happen really really quickly and what what they want to put in place are these kind of kpis and metrics to measure a lot of the really important sales attributes and a lot of the personality characteristics so you're putting up these uh, um, um, a series of kpis let's say and the, the benchmark is where they're at now and where you want to improve them and how you're going to improve them. But really, it's a lot of that stuff is uh, stuff that they don't measure is all about character, you know. And if you're talking about um, this ability to take rejection a lot, it's not just about taking rejection. What's really, really important is the ability to follow through and be thorough. And if you're selling, if you know that Manchester United are one of the top football clubs in the world and would it benefit you to do work with them, and you ring them and they say, no, we're not interested. Well, you just can't stop there. You know, you have to have this kind of resilience inbuilt that you're you're confident and comfortable enough with rejection and setbacks to carry on. And that means a great confidence in your, your, your own personal value system, but also the people that you're working for and the brand that you're working for. 
And that's not measured. That's very seldom measured in coaching and mentoring, you know, character, resilience, grit, determination, uh, integrity, all that sort of stuff. It's very hard to measure, isn't it? Oh, it is. And look, we've made every mistake with KPIs and OKRs and rocks and you name it. And we were too data focused at a stage, but I can't remember the exact quote and I'll probably bastardize, I'll paraphrase it, but you know, it is something about data and KPIs, you know, a lot of the most important stuff you can't actually measure, um, yeah. which is what you've pretty much said. But, you know, and the other one about resilience, we recently, well, last year added into our core values, finish what you start, because, you know, again, growing fast and we were a little bit uh, you know, just sloppy with maybe internal projects or different things that we were doing. So we we brought that in because, you know, there's loads of stuff started, but what's really finished is, is important. And, like, you know, having a vision as a company is hugely important, but the reality is that execution is massive. You know, the most successful companies are the ones that have executed. And the reality is, as fun as some parts of business is, a lot of it is just really boring, just grinding out stuff, just working hard, you know, like I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, the 60, 70, 80, whatever the number of hours I work per week is, is, is fun. There's a lot of stuff where it's not, but equally it's a journey. And, you know, when you win the, the business, whether it's, you know, your home gym or Man United or whoever, it's it is hugely rewarding to to see that and also see your own team develop and you know do people achieving things that you never thought they would when they first started. So you've built a, a very strong team around you, evidently. Um, and I know some of the the guys, and I use the guys non-gender specific guys because you've got a couple of um, people in marketing who've been there and um, Miles and Nico and so on and so forth. Do they allow you to, to um, spend more time on yourself or are you still as dedicated to the grind of up at five and blah, 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 blah? Do you, do you, have you found yourself looking after yourself more? Are you still into those ridiculous rituals that you're into that um, aren't ridiculous, obviously, but just I can't do them? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm probably not at the start. I was doing crazy amount. Now it's slightly coming down. But I mean, look, we had a massive tender to be in for university. I did an all nighter, me and Miles. And yeah, or, or, um, yeah, if we probably we had to do a presentation on short notice. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure how alert we were by the time we gave it. It still happens, you know. Um, but yeah, energy management is is hugely important. And I, I always have to try and remind myself to maybe, you know, there is a team there and let them, you know, I'm not a micromanager. It's not my style whatsoever. But, you know, this is a, a massive passion slash obsession slash addiction of mine. And, you know, uh, yeah, I, I do love, very privileged, love what I do, but uh, yeah, I'm being a little bit wiser as a now 34, so uh, as of last week, so uh, just probably being a bit more sensible with the, the amount of hours and travel and whatnot. So um, obviously the pandemic's been a, a bit of a limiter on that. So it's, it's been good. So, um, but like, you know, we don't want to have that culture of where people are 
burnt out come you know the end of the week um that's something on a cultural thing we've we try to do is do a weekly win summary at the end of the week to give praise for people that have went above and beyond the sort of um the the normal so that everyone heads into the weekend feeling good um and then we have a team team wide monday morning meeting we used to do it every day but it was just probably a bit overkill and obviously with covid and stuff so there's stuff we're, we're trying to do to ensure you know that there's good collaboration and, and culture and communications a, a huge one every business says that communication is an issue and then if you drill down and ask people well, what is it um but one of i learned from a guy john gordon which probably hugely impactful quote is again because when you're extremely busy and sometimes communication is not great it's uh yeah in the void of communication negativity will fill it um when i read that quote i was it was like a penny drop moment because you know you know yourself you've got radio silence from someone you're going to be like oh what's going on here and stuff whereas so we're trying to have that sort of communication streams that you know there is this good communication i do believe in a business of transparency we've pretty much open book management with within reason pretty much everyone knows everything about the business because i just don't believe in lying or telling someone something different to the what what the truth is and that kind of again has a bit more of a culture where we want to have you know like a hundred mini entrepreneurs within the business that they treat the business as their own and you know we have a profit share within the business that you know again we want to empower people that they you know if everyone performs in the way that we hope and the, the market performs that there is an opportunity to you know share some of the upside um but yeah no last year was not a, a great year just with all the, the costs and stuff on that front but um, we're, we're confident we'll, we'll navigate our way through that. For, for you personally, just and I'm conscious of time here, Greg, so uh, I, I talked to you all day, but um, that wouldn't be right. Um, for for you personally, um, you, you have a very clear set of values that you, like, it wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't mention Dr. John Demartini, right? So let's talk about him for one second and just about his, his the value, the, the value factor and, and the values that you have and um, you bring a lot of your personal values into business. I'm guessing from knowing you and from the sound of what we're talking about here, and you bring maybe a lot of those values from work into your personal life. What what what's not negotiable for you? What what are what are the the non-negotiables in your life? Uh, I think you know hard work, having a work ethic is 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 hugely important. Um, I think that's probably the number one sort of foundation. Um, I think that sort of just being interested more than being interesting, you know, being curious, asking questions, you know, questions are way better than always giving the the answers. Um, so having that sort of growth mindset. Um, I feel being humble, you know, no one likes that arrogant sort of, uh, yeah, arrogant prick. Uh, no one likes that. Um, and it's just, it is that, that 1% better. Um, you know, it's just getting healthier, um, smarter, um, yeah, better partner, whatever it is. Um, but look, it's, you know, I, personally don't believe that always having balance is is always achievable there's always going to be trade-offs you know if you want to 
excel in one area, there's going to be trade-offs and, you know, it's just being aware of that and sometimes stepping back a little bit. Um, but yeah, I don't have all the answers. That's one thing for sure. No, the, the ones you've given are, are, are good enough, man. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to let, try to finish off on one thing here. Um, I'm going to trade you a couple of books that I'm reading that you may or may not have read. Okay. So I'm going to ask you before I do that, what, um, what are you reading right now? You'd recommend people get, get a hold of. Uh, good book. Dan Sullivan, I'm always a, a big fan. I have read it and I'm probably rereading it. Um, who, who not how? Um, and again, it's a really good just question to ask yourself instead of getting stuck in the tyranny of how, you know, how am I going to do this? It's kind of just who is going to do this um, for me, whether it's a new hire or JV partnership or just hiring a, a contractor or whatever. Um, it's a, a good book. A little bit of reading and, and storytelling, um, because yeah, I just feel it's such an powerful or powerful thing to do, even in, in business, whether you're trying to hire people or win a contract. So I'm doing a bit of reading on that. And I've been talking about doing Toastmasters or some sort of public speaking for a, a long time, but I am gonna do that at some point because mm -hmm. uh, again, it's uh something that I feel is a, a very good skill to to have but I think I'll put that to after the wedding because uh yeah I'm not sure I've much free time before before then um that's a fairly big project you're working on right yeah bigger than Man United one I thought <laughs> it's the number one uh well, yeah the, the installations around the same time so I'll uh Oh Jesus, man! Don't we? <laughs> get that out of the way. There, yeah. Um, I will. Good, well, good luck. Good luck with that. Obviously, like it goes without saying. I'm going to share a book with you. Two books with you, actually. Um, you've already read this one. Oh yeah. Five so the five functions, five dysfunctions of a team is brilliant. I have only. I'm only stumbling this so late in the game. It's untrue. It's written about 2002 or something like that. And it's deadly. You've already read, you've already read that, yeah. I have, yeah. Okay, um, Richard Hackman, leading teams. I don't think I've read that one. Good. Interesting. Um, setting the stage for great performances. Uh, really, really interesting book. A little bit deeper and wider than uh, than Chioni goes here, but. Um, definitely worth the read. I'll pick up that Dan Sullivan stuff. I, I listened to, it was a multiplier mindset, wasn't it? His podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And then that one I just showed you a second ago, which is um second ago, like an hour ago before we went online, that's Sales Cybernetics, which is, um, as you can see from the cover, like it wasn't, it's not this decade or last decade, it's 1970 something, uh, republished in 1985. And inside the dude's talking about stuff that you've been talking about, but nobody really focuses on, like energy management, you know, how recent has sleep and sleep deprivation become a discussion in a normal conversation? And he's covering off all that sort of stuff here way, way back in the day. And, you know, you tend to feel with a little bit of um, embarrassment talking about sales books these days, but that's a, that's a brilliant one if you can get your hands on it. There's an audio book as well. Um for the same guy so there you are that's my, my gift to you no, look forward to reading it. i think look sales has got a bad 
you know, a bad rep and a bit of bad branding, but the reality is everyone is in sales and, you know, they can sit there and say they, they aren't, but everyone is, whether it's selling to, you know, you know, for a job uh, interview or, uh, you know, bank manager or trying to meet someone, et cetera, you know, everyone is, is in the, the world of sales. So, um, no, thank you for the the, the tip of uh, no means not just yet. I'll, I'll never yeah, forget yeah. that one. Uh, one <laughs> final book would be sorry, uh, Will Smith's not my typical one, but his autobiography and an audio. Will Smith is really enjoyable and uh, actually quite inspirational. Just that man's work ethic and um, his journey. So uh, I'd recommend listening to that and in Audible as well. Um, Good man, I will. I'll, I'll definitely I'll take that on board. Um, Greg, listen, thanks very much for your time. That's a, 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 an hour I think we've cut there. So brilliant. Uh, here's to the next. Happy birthday, by the way. Um, here's to the next 10 years. <laughs>